morning. Um, <clears throat> I think the month of July and August has been an ever-changing um, Sunday by Sunday uh, because of people are taking a family vacation. Some people seem to be out this weekend. It's good to see you guys. Steve and Annette are back. And um, I feel a little flustered about this season of my life because uh, there are two uh, funerals in coming two weeks. One of them I'm officiating, one of them I'm attending a close friend of ours, uh, uh, pastor friend, uh, father passed away. Um, and Kate and I signed a lease for another room. We, we'll be closer to you guys. Um, and it's, it has a lot to do with living with my in-laws and caring for them. And we need a bigger space. School starts and we only have a three-bedroom. And Seth and other boys are sleeping outside in the living room. So I'm happy at the same time, a little uneasy about the bigger house, and, uh, which means uh, much significantly higher rent. And uh, my in-laws are still thinking independently. They're looking forward to senior housing. They're wait on the wait list. And Kate and I are honestly thinking within a year they're going to come to realize they cannot live by themselves. I don't know what you are going through. Oh, I, I, I should share one more. <laughs> I, I, uh, when it comes to facility search, we thought just having one year is just, just plenty of time, no worry whatsoever. Nothing. Two of our uh, real estate agent, commercial real estate agent, looking, and our team, Jay's leading the team. So far, zero, nada. I, um, anything to report, anything, anything significant enough to all pray about this, nothing. The only thing I know for sure is that it seems to be the leading of the Spirit that He's not going to give us until we become, until we get the benefit, the most good, best part of this process. To experience God, to taste His goodness and see it and experience it firsthand. We need to be God-reliant, dependent, desperate. Um, so what does it mean to wait on the Lord again? Remember the zoning uh, issue and we whole church, entire church wait in the Lord and praying and just doing, committing to doing nothing. Um, I think these things that are coming up in light of what God has done, in our head, we know that God's going to take care of us. Like, no-brainer. He has taken care of us 
for over 10 years. He favored us and uh, provided so abundantly financially at, at, at Olive Crest, staying in Olive Crest so far. So in our head, and including the personal things about my in-laws and the bigger house and rent and all those things are, and our two, to our boys, we'll be going to expensive college in uh, next year and it, Soren will be transferring to another school. I've been rooting for Pasadena, but no, I don't think he, he needs to go somewhere <laughs> cheap. All joking set aside, um, what's in our head? We might have a noble intention and even idea. I believe that God's going to take care of us. But it's a different thing in reality, in our heart. What we are sensing, what we're feeling. And God wants us to draw us closer. And it's been so great that throughout David's series and even Second Corinthians series, God has been providing guidance through Scripture and in our quiet times as well. So today is no exception. I think today is an, uh, just two verses of encouragement, tapping on our shoulder, reminding us who we are in Christ. And we do have uh, communion. Uh, after the uh, sermon. So let's take a, just a few moments of silence. Not necessarily you need to pray. Let's quiet our heart and present ourselves before the Spirit and be ready for the Word of God. Gracious God, our Father, I thank you for your reminder uh, through scriptures again. While we live in this tent, in this body, we groan, not, not only for longing for our eternal home, 
the groaning of our own brokenness, incomplete salvation, and problems and sufferings and afflictions, things that are not under our control. We pray that you'll bring us together as the body of Christ. Unite us in your word. Encourage us through your word. We pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each one of us in a personal and powerful way, in such a way you only can. Free us from our self-preoccupation that we might see you and your reality And we pray for joy as we see that glory. We seek your glory as our supreme concern throughout the hour. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, as we continue our study in 2 Corinthians, we're at... There's just two simple verses often quoted by Christians all around the world. If anyone is new in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. And it's in... Uh, poster, it's, it's in booklets. Uh, the verses that they're, they're a very, uh, one of the favorites of many uh, Christ followers. But what does that really mean? I think the fundamental questions that we're going to ask is what it means to be Christian, not in a cultural sense but in the way that Bible defines as a regeneration, rebirth, and being born again. Um, But we need to read the passage and take some time and kind of linger in these phrases and verses as we meditate together. So let's start with the verses itself. 2 Corinthians verse five, chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, Behold, the new has come. The first thing that we need to notice is the word therefore in verse 16 and 17. The question that we, need, we ought to ask in terms of meditating any scripture, any part of the scripture, whenever, the, whenever we see this key word, therefore, we need to ask, 
What is this therefore, therefore? So Paul is about to make some significant conclusion. And the verse 16 and 17 hinges upon the truth and reasons on verse 14 and 15. This is a last week's passage. Um, <clears throat> For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. In these two verses, the truth are packed. Basically, Jesus died and rose again. He's coming again to raise us. That is the essence of the gospel. But we need to think about, analytically, taking time, four reasons here. First one is, therefore is there, because the reason number one, Christ has died in our place, and all our old selves have died. This is often called a penal substitutionary death. Christ died as a substitute for each of our penalties, which is sin of the penalty of sin is death. And Christ died in our place. Atone substitutionally for each one of us. So when we have a penalty of death to pay, if Christ, because he loved us so much, he died on the cross for our sins and penalty of sin, in legal sense, we have already paid the penalty. We have died. All of us died. All referring to the believers. And reason number two is connected to that. Christ died for us so that we would no longer live for ourselves. This is our old way. This is the sinful way of living used to live. The great commandment of loving God and loving our neighbor is not possible when we live for our selfish reasons, which is the sin that Christ had paid, the penalty of sin. Legally speaking, positionally speaking, our old self has died with Christ. Okay, reason number three. Christ was risen from the dead and all believers are now given a new life in Christ. The Christ resurrected life because of our union. Not only the death becomes, Christ's death becomes our death, we no longer have to pay the death anymore, but Christ's new life 
has become our lives. That's number three. Number four, Christ died and was risen for us so that we would live for him with our new life in Christ. Now, our old life has passed away. It died. We died. And the new life now Christ has given us because of our union with him. Now, we are to live not for ourselves no longer, but to live for Christ who died and was raised from the dead for us. In short, the therefore is there. What has Christ's death and perfect life and his resurrection resulted in our, in our own lives. And there are two in today's verses. But one is more, to put it simply, it's, it's a first result is regeneration. Being born again. Rebirth. Uh, all those are synonyms. And the next coming weeks, we'll, we'll talk about reconciliation. The regeneration has happened. Because of that, we are reconciled to God. And justification happened. But today, we're going to focus on regeneration. And there are two parts to it. And I like to actually go backwards. Let's start with the chapter, I mean, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new here is referring to not something old that has improved. Just imagine that you have a stone and you are just earnest person. For your wife, you're, you cannot afford the big, gigantic diamond, but you know, you're going to work hard every day to rub it until it becomes diamond. <laughs> we could, you could rub it for 10 years, but the, the rock that be, doesn't become diamond. The nature has to be changed. Even if it's shiny, even if it's kind of much more cleaner and better and improved stone, it's still stone. In other passages, Titus 3, 5 and 1 Peter 1, 3 gives us the same parallel truth that we need to pay attention to. By the way, the reason why 2 Corinthians is radical Paul takes these simple foundational truth and he opens up his heart completely so that we, we would no longer think of it as just kind of cliches. It becomes a, such an abiding reality, actually the eternal reality. Let's look at Titus 3, 
5 first. He saved us. Christ saved us. Not because of works done by in righteousness. But according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Washing of the regeneration and renewal. This is not referring to water baptism. This is actually spirit baptism, meaning the work of the Holy Spirit comes and he washes away the old self and he renews us and gives us a new spirit in us, which means the regeneration rebirth. 1 Peter 1.3 says, now Apostle Paul this time, um, says the same thing. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Both verses I didn't read further also refers to the eternal hope, that resurrected resurrection body we talked about in the beginning of chapter 5 in 2 Corinthians. So with these biblical texts in mind, let's think through this carefully. First of all, what a new creation is not, what regeneration or born again is not. Although commonly, even the secular world, mainstream world, would use this word, oh, he's a born again man. He no longer drinks. He no longer beats up his wife. Or she no longer lies and gossips anymore. Or he doesn't have a long hair anymore. No, no offense. <laughs> moral change, radical moral change, is not being born again, is not new generation. Social change, radical social change, is not. Self-improvement. Your, your, your children, one of your children, something happens to him and he decides to study hard and start getting straight A's, and they're not being born again. Whatever the motivation is, that's good for him. Now, what it is? What is it? It is new life, new nature, new passion, new self. Completely different from what we have. We cannot create that. How is it done by once, once again, then let's think about what is not first, what is not done by human efforts, and good works, religious fervency, radical determination cannot produce a new creation in Christ. New, new, new birth is not possible. Now. No matter how sincere you might be, then it is done by, by grace alone with the redemption of Christ and through the washing of the regeneration of the Spirit. 
many of us are very familiar with very um, more modern word. I, I think it's even in dictionary now. Synergy. Synergy is the word that um, is popularly used when you think about working together with others. And sum of two parts is greater than its the outcome of the two parts working together is greater than its sum. So two plus two is supposed to be four, but it's five and six, seven, because you, you are interdependently working together. So we are very familiar with that. So we tend to think about our religious life or Christian life that way also too. But when it comes to regeneration, the word that we need to know is monogistic. Monogistic work of God is solo work of God. It's a regeneration. Of, of, of course, whatever, whatever happened to our faith, isn't it some, something that we have to contribute Yes, it's, uh, our, our faith is an empty hand that receives a free gift, the monogistic work of God, but we ourselves do not contribute. Otherwise, a faith will become a, a merit as well. The sovereign God means that God is sovereign in choosing us before we choose us. And there will be a series in the near future, I, I promise, that we will think about <clears throat> what the sovereignty of God looks like. There are common uh, misunderstanding words like a predestination and the election. But I want you to know when we experience new generation, regeneration, rebirth, we have nothing to credit for. For glory of God alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. And then importantly, where does it happen? In Christ alone. If anyone is in, in Christ, Not if anyone is if anyone is earnest and fervent in his belief. No. If anyone is uh, helps the poor and do such and such well. No. If anyone is in Christ. Obviously, this is not referring to locality, a place, but a belongingness to Christ, a union with Christ. How do you become united with Christ? Through our faith. When Holy Spirit comes in, baptized meaning that immersed into Christ's identity, and brings us what Christ has done and becomes ours as well.
I think once we allow ourselves become drifting away from this God-centered view of salvation, the monogistic view of salvation, we drift away from our own creation, some type of synergistic way that I want to communicate, uh, contribute something. So in some sense, all other religions have that. And the sad thing is, the more our society becomes secularist, the more our church becomes secularized, the envision of the secularization that happen, happens, the more we will become more compromised that way. So well-meaning people will speak very uh, touching, inspiring stories. The glory of human discipline and effort. Good heart. I want you to know the Bible speaks very the opposite way. Our, our nature is sinful, totally depraved. So it, it requires us to think about what is my relationship with Christ? This hinges upon our eternal destiny, destiny hinges upon this question. Am I in Christ? Of course, some of us need to re-examine. All of us continue to re-examine our faith, whether our faith is in Christ or in ourselves, in our efforts. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14. Um, same apostle Paul writes to church in Ephesus and to be distributed around the region. And in Greek, if you look at these, the whole paragraph in, in, in our English version, it's actually one sentence, one run-on sentence. So one, one commentator calls it breathless praise. Paul cannot stop once he starts. Would you notice how many times in Christ or in him is mentioned in this blessing passage? Praise the every blessing that we have. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, 
which he, he lavished on us, upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the, his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained in, an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his, his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Did you count? The highlighted one is 10. Then some um, commentaries will include in love and through through Jesus Christ, through his blood, counting all that is 12. The point is clear. When I think about my eternal destiny, the building not made by heaven, that God is giving me the incorruptible, imperishable body that will be mine to share with Christ as co-heir for eternity time, that real hope right now holy, by the Holy Spirit, he regenerated each one of us and he gives us a new life. This new life is in Christ. What does that make you feel? Two things happen usually. One of them is our subtle pride is crushed. Whatever that I like to say as oh, I belong to this elders, family, generations of Christian, it doesn't mean squat. I've been attending church faithfully for the past 20 years mean nothing. What about my offerings and giving and helping out the poor? means nothing. But you say, humbly, I belong to Christ. I'm a wretched sinner. I can't believe God had mercy on me and grace has picked me up and placed me in Christ. The life that I have is not my life. It's a new life Christ gave in me. Brothers and sisters, this is Christian life. True, real Christian life. You go to Barnes and Noble and go to self-help books and there's so many Christian languages of books 
on what it means to be Christian, what it means to live in Christian life, abundant life. But when that is not in Christ, and about what you do, how you manage or improve yourself, it's not a true gospel. Let's look at that negatively now. A new creation. Negatively, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. What is this old referred to? The old is referred to the old self under the sin, under the wrath of God. This is really positional reality, a legal reality that everything that we used to be is done away. It's passed away. I could even say there are so many things I cannot help myself in terms of uh, the things that annoy my my son. Um, because of my analness. So when I tell them to clean the house, clean your room, I want it a certain way. <laughs> I don't want it halfway and say, oh, I done my best. No, that's your not best. Let's look at what you do. So one of our sons are more closely my personality, temperament. So he does it closely. So I, instead of putting my eldest one in charge, a lot of times I tend to put him in charge of getting ready for our home group or men's group. What am I saying? There are things that we still linger, isn't it? The positional reality doesn't mean our conditional reality. Why? Remember, the consummation of our salvation is not until the day that Jesus meets us and our body, the corruptible body, is uh, transformed into the resurrection, imperishable body, that eternal dwelling of God, we will have perfect, sinless life there. Until then, we still struggle with the sin. That's a conditional reality. I think I used this illustration before, but it's always clear, I think, helpful. So I'm going to use it again. So suppose that um, you know, back in the mid uh, mid centuries and uh, the times, the kings and princes, and you know, so I, I was in living in that street as a like olive t- twist kind of story. A beggar. An orphan and beggar. What do I do to survive? I used to steal things, pickpocketing, get anything hands-on for me to make my stomach fill. One day, king comes out in his plain clothes just to looking at his people 
and he saw me and felt compassion for me and then took me to his castle and in front of everyone he gives me the ring and saying from now on you are my son the prince of this kingdom positionally I am a prince conditionally what's going to happen every dinner time at king's table I see a drumstick the big gigantic drumstick something might happen in my own survival mentality maybe I should put it in my pocket just in case for later that will happen I don't know how many days how many weeks what about my manner what about the things that I ought to act like prince but and yet in reality I would act like think like speak like orphan beggar that part is considered theological term is a sanctification we become more like prince and princess we become more like sons of God more like Christ but that doesn't mean what I have right now is true self my true self is a new self that God has given me through Christ So living by faith means to believe in this reality and living it out uh, my reality and your reality in Christ day by day. So the Christ will be exalted. That we will be little Christ in our everyday life. The people will see Jesus in our face. Gradually, yet slowly, gradually, but surely we become more like Christ. We become sanctified. We become holier every day, set apart for God. When you look at other passages, uh, Romans 6 we get glimpses of Paul's thought more clearly. Uh, verses 5 and through 7, Paul writes, For if we, be, we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might not be brought to might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Positional reality. We ought to think like that. We ought to embrace that. We're then turning into our, turn back to our own self-reliance, self-help mode. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, 24, more conditional way this time, Paul 
puts it this way. To put off your old self, which belongs to your formal manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The wisdom Paul brings here is never uh, will be able to to live a Christian life unless we embrace both. In other words, we try to put off, okay, that's not my real self. Uh, You know, the the anger I have, the analness I have, all that is, uh, it's not me. Unless we continually put on at the same time. The new self, Jesus, thank you for new life you've given me. Now you are controlling and you're, you're ruling my life that you are bringing your character, character in my life and in, through my life. Thank you that I'm becoming more like Christ. I am patient. I am more loving to my children, to my, to my, to my wife, to the people who are difficult. I'm more patient. That's putting on as well as putting off. Now, let's take a look at verse 16 this time. What does it look like in our relationship with others? Relationship with others, simply it's a new value. I, w- I want to say perspective, but it sounds more conceptual. Perspective, meaning regarding with new values. Negatively this time, instead of positively first. We no longer regard others in worldly standard. Allow me to read verse 16 one more time. From now on, Paul says, Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What does he mean by, I used to regard Christ according to the flesh? When he was a Pharisee, he was a fervent legalist. The people who, put, the people who wanted to devote entire life to abide by God's law. Their intention was good in the beginning, but they became externalists. They tried to modify the law so so that they could merit by keeping it. Their fervency was incredible. Paul looking at Jesus, and he speaks blasphemy, according to the law that he, he looks at. And he's from where? Nazareth? Nazareth? Where's Nazareth? It, it will be almost like in our, you know, in our setting, the guy's from Compton. Or what, whatever, whatever the city that you think of it is just very 
um, not a good neighborhood. The homey town that no great person can come out of that. What about his education? Oh, he's not, he's not educated formally. What? He's a carpenter's son? What is he proclaiming? He's, he's claiming to be Messiah, son of God? He deserved death. That's how Paul became persecutor of the church, persecutor of Jesus, basically, and his followers. And when he met Jesus face to face, in a, uh, on the way to Damascus, the reason Savior made encounter had happened with him and say, why are you persecuting me? So grace of God, in spite of his sinfulness, mercy of God picked him and not only gave him rebirth, and he was called to be apostle to the Gentiles. And he basically saying, I regard him thus no longer. But simply, this is because he's a new creation. Okay. I, I think it's too simplistic for us to say, okay, let's not regard all the people uh, in a worldly standard and uh, let's be nice to each other, brothers and sisters. I, I wish application is simple as that. But what happens is, even nowadays, when I mention secularization of the church, means even within the church, the external things become such more valuable in terms of how we see each other, see, uh, view others under that light. To our shame, us pastors, the pastors are, in some sense, in a you know, big size of church, and there's some um, pastors who have a reverend doctor. Have you seen that? Those long things. And maybe tradition is good, but it, I could you and I know there is a sense that such and such people went to this school, such and such person got this kind of degree. We tend to look at it differently, or within our church, oh, they're doing really well financially. Their kids went to these Ivy League schools. Okay, let's take that spiritually then. Oh, the such and such person it comes out and you know serves that welcome team every single Sunday. All those externals, when we think about Christ's value, the external superficial things, we ought to be radically changed. All those principles are so simple. You know how deep this goes. 
There is no room in Christ for prejudice, any kind of racial discrimination, any kind of sexist discrimination. When you think about what in the name of church and Christian movement, there's so many harm done for African-American brothers, Japanese-American brothers over the years. And even now, in the name of Christian church, there are all kinds of things happening. It, it aches Christ's heart because it's not Christ's kind of cultural values. So lest we think that we are separating ourselves from those and you know us who are different, let's be honest about how we live our lives. And even including the neighbors we have, how we treat our gardeners, how, how we treat the, the people who cannot speak English because of their immigrant. Philippians 3, chapter 3, verse 8, 3-8, Paul goes off because of the similar situation that the externals are so highly valued, and then he goes on rent, but in, in a conclusively different uh, ending. Verse 3, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I count them everything as rubbish. The original Greek Dung. This is a radical view in Christ. I conclude with uh, number four. I'm going to uh, go over this rather quickly. Positively, then we should think about how then should we regard others by Christ's eternal values. 
Here's a, one thing. You remember everyone will stand, have to stand. Everyone has to stand before the judgment seat of Christ at the end of this life. How do you view billionaire or genius that way? Or the people you admire, sports stars that way? And that's when persuasion in love comes, right? The reconciliation comes not only for us, but we become uh, ambassador for reconciliation. That the passage after the coming from that, after this passage is about that. But I, I still remember, even, uh, you know, we would like to deny that our adults don't have a peer pressure. Remember that your awkward high school days and junior high days, and then what you wear was so important and you, you need to fit in. Oh, I, I, I feel sorry for that kid. Because I was the only Asian in every class and I didn't fit in. I was a fob. Um, some, some of you guys think that I'm still fob. <clears throat> In, in our efforts to continue to become like this world, we need a spiritual awakening to see our true identity and to see each one of the people who are valuable that for whom Christ died and was raised that we are to urge them, persuade them to be reconciled to God. I think the radical countercultural values of Jesus Christ, we will embrace that when we embrace our new identity, new perspective, new nature, in Christ. I'm going to conclude with J.C. Ryle's uh, quote. J.C. Ryle was an uh, Anglican bishop in 1800, but his writings are still very valuable, and I found it. I wish I could share more, but I, I, this is all I could fit in. And then there is an excerpt. Uh, Ryle writes, I ask once more, what is all this but new life, such a change as I have described in no vision and fancy. It is a real, actual thing, which not a few in this world who have known or, or felt. I am now speaking. You see the dead made alive, a new creature, a soul born again. <clears throat> Once he did not consider he had a bad heart. He might have his faults and be led away by bad company and temptations, but he had a good heart at the bottom. Now he would tell you he knows no heart so bad as his own. He finds it deceitful above all things 
and desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 6. Once he did not suppose it was a hard matter to get to heaven. He thought he had only to repent and say a few prayers and do not do, I'm sorry, and do what he could do. And Christ would make up what he was lacking. Now he believes the way is narrow and find it. Few find, find it. He's convinced he could never have made his own peace with God. He is persuaded that nothing but the blood of Jesus, blood of Christ, could wash away his sins. His only hope is to be justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Romans 3.28 Once he could see no beauty and excellence in the Lord Jesus Christ, he could not understand some ministers speaking so much about him. Now he could tell you he is the pearl above all price, the chief among 10,000, his redeemer, his advocate, his priest, his king, his physician, his shepherd, his friend, his all. Who is Christ to you? Brothers and sisters, that will determine who you are in Christ. May Spirit encourage you, prompt you to be awakened and to be challenged to embrace this eternal reality. May you examine, re-examine whether your faith is real in Christ, in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you that this profound truth are available to us. Help us in our lack of unbelief, lack of belief, and help our unbelief so that we would not only embrace this reality, but live it out every day by putting on the new self and putting off the old self. Oh Lord, we know the Holy Spirit has given us, has been given to us. The Holy Spirit, you are residing in us as a guarantee that full consummated Salvation awaits for each one of us in Christ Jesus. And today we declare that we belong to you. Our church belongs to you. Now keep us, make us true to the gospel and to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.